Welcome back to Devotional Thoughts with Pastor Dave Rogers from the Y Millbank Podcast Studio in Millbank, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg. Welcome back to the studio, Pastor Dave. Thank you, Craig. It's good to be with you again. <laughs> we, uh, we're still plowing our way through the Book of James. Uh, we're, this is week 11. Yeah, we've, uh, a... we've been here for a while, haven't <laughs> yeah. we? We're uh, getting there, so uh, <clears throat> where are we at now? Well, we're in the middle of chapter four and uh, just uh, continuing to explore the uh, instruction James uh, gave to the early church that had been dispersed among the nations of the world because of the persecution that had arisen uh, in Jerusalem. He wrote them a letter of encouragement. Uh, It was really a pastoral letter to the church, but uh, it takes the form of uh, a lot of very practical advice, counsel to them on navigating some of the challenges that they were experiencing mm-hmm. in life as believers, especially as they had integrated into uh, a different societies, some uh, societies that weren't so acceptable or hospitable uh, to uh, the message of Christ. Uh, we're we're building on the foundation that we've already laid here in chapter four, uh, as we've looked at uh, the question James asks in chapter one or chapter four, verse one, uh, about uh, what is the source of the conflict and the tension uh, that exists uh, in our lives, uh, and he deals with what I believe is the issue of pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're looking for the uh, very foundational issue that uh, underlies um, the question that he's asking. Uh, He's dealing with pride and the damage pride does to our life. But as a a good teacher, he not only takes time to identify a problem, but he also provides us with a very practical solution as he opens the door to the power of humility. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, We summarize it as James did, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if if we can just continue building on that uh, today as we open up into verse, or excuse me, into week 11, uh, we're going to find that uh, uh, the pathway (laughs) of humility Mm -hmm. uh, steers us away from what is obviously a uh, an important pitfall that he is identifying for us today. Uh, as I said, following the previous teaching on the impact, and I'm going to say the negative impact of pride, as well as the positive power of humility, James in verses 11 and 12 zeroes in on the most obvious expression of pride in society by tackling the matter of judgment. I'm going to read that passage of Scripture today. It's just a a few short verses, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. James says, Do not speak against another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Hmm. You know, Craig, it's it's no secret that we live in a society of critics. <laughs> uh, they specialize 
in judging others. Let's not just say they. We specialize in judging others. Uh, if we we think of uh, political discourse, for ha- uh, uh, for instance, uh, if you've watched any political events recently, uh, you know that you have critics beforehand analyzing what is going to be said because they've already typically got a copy of uh, the speech that is going to be made. Mm -hmm. But not only do they tell you what to expect, you will have critics after the event telling you (laughs) what was said. Uh, Of course, that's obviously Mm -hmm. because we're not intelligent enough to figure out uh, (laughs) what was just said. What was just said. And, and sometimes I'm going to admit that it's a head scratcher, but but more often. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. The original speech or the commentary afterward? Both. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, both of them can leave you just say what? But uh, anyway, you have them telling you afterwards what is said, and and uh, the implication of what is said will then be analyzed from every possible angle. Uh, the news cycles of the following day or maybe the next couple of days will be filled with judgments of the supporters and the judgments of the opposition party. Mm. Uh, just for instance, let's, let's think about the State of the Union. Uh, when you have the president stand before the joint session of Congress and uh, share uh, the State of the Union, you always have from the opposing party a rebuttal. Uh, and uh, they are judging what has been said, and here is here's what their platform would be going forward if given opportunity. Uh, and so... Uh, judgment is something that le- we live with every single day. Uh, the fact of the matter is virtually everything in our world is under judgment today. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the impact of social media has has turned everybody into a, a judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, it has unleashed some devastating judgments from people who hide behind the cloak of anonymity uh, that is provided by the Internet to uh, just viciously attack uh, other individual. People are judged for virtually everything they do. <laughs> I just I sat down and I started thinking uh, of what are some of the judgments that we read about, uh, and all you need to do is get on any social media platform and uh, you'll you'll quickly identify these things. People are are judged for the way they look. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are judged for the the clothes that they wear. Uh, I heard someone say uh, one day, <laughs> and I'm you know I'm trying to be gracious here, but I I <laughs> tended tended to agree what was being said, and and the person said. Just because they make the garment in your size doesn't mean you should wear it. <laughs> That's so true. And, uh, you know, we, we see things that uh, we don't like. Uh, maybe the way someone looks, the way they wear their hair, the clothes they're wearing. Uh, the use of makeup or the lack of makeup. Uh, 
people's weight. Uh, a lot of body shaming goes on uh, in society today. Uh, people are criticized or judged uh, for their weight loss uh, or their weight gain. Uh, people are judged for the friends that they have, the company that they keep. Uh, people are judged for their parenting techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, all you need to do is is post a picture of your child on online and doing something that is is cute and funny, and you'll have haters out there. You know what kind of parent would allow their child to do that? You know, and uh, uh, they they just get crazy in their judgment. Uh, people are judged for their discipline or their lack of discipline uh, of of their children in society. Uh, of course, we know people are definitely judged for political affiliation or religious affiliation. People are judged for the grammar that they use uh, or the lack of grammatical skill. Uh, people are judged for their environmental sensitivity. Uh, people are judged for the size of their carbon footprint. You know, <laughs> now I'm going to just add here that. Uh, my generation didn't grow up even knowing what a carbon footprint was. That seems to be a social <laughs> construct that has come along here recently. But uh, anyway, you get the point. The list goes on and on. But sadly, the viciousness of the judgment some has received has resulted in people taking their lives because they couldn't deal with the shame, they couldn't deal with the rejection, or the pain that was caused by the judgment that they were under. Mm. And I can't tell you how how that grieves my heart, yeah. uh, just to think that people are, are so cruel mm. in, in judgment. And, and then understanding that uh, the scriptures tell us that we shouldn't be judging others. Uh, it, it just makes it that much more egregious to me. James reminds the recipients of the letter, uh, and again, I would remind you that these are the Christians that uh, had accepted Christ uh, mm-hmm. through the ministry of the apostles in the Jerusalem area, but as the result of uh, the persecution had been dispersed to the surrounding nations. Uh, he reminded these people that they were not to judge others. I can only imagine that as these believers went into different cultures, uh, coming from a a cultural background that was not familiar or native to the region that they went, I'm sure they experienced a lot of judgment, holding a belief in Christ, uh, which uh, was oftentimes in opposition to the idolatrous practices of the communities or the regions into which they went, uh, they came under judgment, uh, exalting Christ in their life when uh, much of the area that uh, they were dispersed into uh, comprised the Roman Empire. And of course, we know that uh, the emperor himself was looked upon as a god. Mm-hmm. And so to embrace Christ uh, a, a God, and because they were monotheistic, and there is only one God, and they worshipped uh, Yahweh, uh, then they they came under judgment again. 
And so they knew the sting of judgment, but James is telling them, don't judge, Mm. Uh, especially uh, don't judge a brother. Uh, I love what he says here. He says that to judge is to violate the law of God. And uh, as I was reading that, it really, really hit me hard Uh, because the fact of the matter is we live in a society where judgment is almost as natural as breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we fall into judgment. It, it's so easy for us to quickly judge others um, without giving any thought of what we're doing. But James says it's a violation of the law of God to, to cast judgment on another. I would just like to take a moment, if I may, to remind ourselves what the law of God requires of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because James says that when we move into this matter of judgment, we have ceased to practice the law. We have ceased to be those who are living according to God's word. Mm -hmm. But we're doing our own thing. And so let's look at Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 through 40. The Bible says, and again, the New American Standard Bible, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. In summary, what he said is this. He said, If you want to fulfill the law, love God and love people. But according to James, when we enter into judgment against another person, we cease to keep the law. Rather than being those who are living by the law, we elevate ourselves above the law to be judges, not only of other people, but judges of the law. Uh, In fact, it occurs to me that what we are doing is we are making a determination that that person is not lovable, Mm. that uh, I choose not to love that person because whatever it Mm -hmm. is that they're doing. Uh, And that is clearly a violation of the command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we know that Jesus was confronted uh, with the question, who is my neighbor? And he used the parable of the Good Samaritan to show that those who are near us are our neighbors. Those who that we those with whom we interact on a daily basis mm-hmm. are our neighbors. We don't share a property line, perhaps, or a fence line, uh, but uh, we share the road with them. Uh, We share a shopping aisle with them. We may sit next to them at a concert. Uh, We may uh, 
pass them uh, on the downtown streets. They are our neighbor. And in, in sharing the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus used a Samaritan as an example of one who was a good neighbor. Mm. He used uh, a priest, a Levite, and the Samaritan. The priest couldn't be bothered by the man who had fallen among thieves, walked to the other side of the road, passed by. The Levite did the same thing. These were individuals who spent their life in service of the Lord. Levites did the uh, work of the temple. They were the worship leaders. Uh, They uh, served uh, in the various capacities uh, in the temple worship, uh, making preparation, uh, supply, and and what have you, the 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 behind-the-scenes type of things. They were the singers. They were the choir. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the priests were the ones who actually went before the Lord to offer sacrifice for the people. And Jesus said these two failed miserably uh, to be a neighbor to the one who was in need. The Samaritan, however, was one who was an outcast uh, because the ten tribes had uh, intermarried with the uh, uh, Assyrians. Uh, They had been forced. They had been carried into captivity, and they had been uh, forced into the intermarriage and what have you. When they came back and uh, rehabilitated uh, their uh, historic family uh, lands, uh, the Jews who had not intermarried uh, looked upon them with with total disgust. Uh, they, They wouldn't talk to them. Uh, in fact, a, a devout, because they felt better than them. Well, they thought that they were racially uh, impure, uh, ah. and uh, literally, they considered them dogs. Mm. Uh, a devout Jew, rather than walking through Samaria, would take a long excursion around Samaria because he didn't want to be polluted. Wow! Uh, by coming in contact with them, and that that explains to us a little bit of Jesus' uh, interaction with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. She was surprised that he, being a Jew, would even dare to would even talk be, to her. Yeah. You oh. know, uh, and and that speaks to the hostility that there was, the mm-hmm. animosity between uh, the Jew and the Samaritan. But Jesus said that it was the Samaritan mm-hmm. who was the neighbor. Mm. You know, he was the one who who went out of his way. And that says to me that we need to guard against falling into judgment because when we, we begin to judge someone, we cease to keep the law. We elevate ourselves to be judges over them, and, and ultimately we are determining by our attitude that they're not worthy mm-hmm. of redemptive love. And I don't think there's any one of us qualified to make that determination. <laughs> right. So, you know, when I when I was just thinking about that, the, the thought came to me, that is, that's powerful stuff. And we need to take that to heart uh, as we live day by day. Uh, because to me, what it is, that is the most obvious, prideful display that there is. It's an expression of our judgment of others. And I, I would just simply remind the, the listener that James has previously said, God resists the proud, mm-hmm. 
but he gives grace to the humble. So, we we come to this matter of judgment. You know, it it's not a strange phenomena that James alone is is addressing. Jesus dealt with the issue of judgment uh, in a couple of instances. Uh, as we are talking today, Craig, this one just came to me. It, it didn't occur to me during my preparation, but we remember uh, that the, there were two individuals who came to the temple uh, for worship. Uh, one uh, was a Pharisee, and uh, as he stood there in the temple, he looked down and he saw this one who was a a publican or a, a tax collector. Mm-hmm. And uh, as the Pharisee prayed to the Lord, he began his prayer by saying, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like, like this man. Guy, right? <laughs> what an arrogant thing to do. He made an assessment. He made a judgment mm-hmm. that that man is a low life, that, that he's just scum. Mm. And what on earth is he doing here in the temple of God? You know, and, and he exalted himself. Yeah. The scriptures tell us, as Jesus told this uh, story, that uh, the uh, the publican uh, was humbled being in the presence of the Lord and with his face downcast, cried out mm-hmm. for mercy. And Jesus asked the question, which of those left justified that day? (laughs) Obviously, it was not the one who judged the Mm -hmm. other as being unworthy of God's love, but it was the one who cast himself on the mercy of God. And and so we know that this is something that has been uh, in the church, in society, Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. Uh, We just see a lot of it here today. The Apostle Paul also addresses the issue of judgment uh, as he wrote to the church at Rome. Uh, In fact, there are uh, several passages that I would just point the listener to and and, uh, encourage them to read these passages. Uh, The first is Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Uh, And uh, the Apostle Paul is dealing with with judgment and the inappropriateness of judgment. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you can take the time to read that. Another one is uh, Romans chapter 14. Oh, I would also add that Romans chapter 8, uh, beginning with uh, verse 31 and reading on down through the remainder of the chapter, uh, touches on the issue of, of judgment. But uh Chapter 14, verses 1 through 13, again deals with judgment. In in particular, it's dealing with the issue of uh, what will or what is acceptable to eat, uh, and uh, do we have to keep certain days, uh, be observant on certain days, uh, and the Apostle Paul just lays out, uh, you know his own opinion, mm-hmm. his own feelings. But I'm, I'm going to share just a couple of verses from this chapter because it it just speaks again to what James is saying in our text today. 
Romans chapter 14 verse 10 Paul says, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue give praise to God. So then, this is verse 12, So then each one of us will give an account of himself mm. to God. Man, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm going to try to say this just as simply as I can. I've got so much stuff in my life, I don't have time to worry about <laughs> what's going on mm. in yours and judge you for it. Yeah. I, I'm busy keeping my own household in order, uh, keeping my thought life uh, focused on on the things that glorify God, keeping uh, my time management focused on things that are, are productive in the kingdom of God, uh, utilizing my resource in a manner that is God-glorifying and God-honoring. Uh, I, I, quite frankly, don't have time <laughs> to set in judgment mm -hmm. over other people. And so uh, we need to just mind our, <laughs> let's put it as simply as we can, mind your own business. Uh, <laughs> Jesus said, you know, take care of the uh, the beam in your own eye mm -hmm. before you take care of the little speck or sliver in someone else's eye. Uh, the question then is this, what do we do with those who oppose us? What do we do with those uh, who line themselves up against us and, and judge us? Mm -hmm. uh, and we've all come under judgment. Uh, someone doesn't like our, our work. Uh, someone doesn't like our, uh, our ethics. Uh, someone doesn't like uh, the way we sound. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a... An opportunity one time just to hear a comment, and I had to stop, and I had to ask for clarification. <laughs> and uh, it was a, a husband and wife who were having a moment, and uh, anybody who's married knows what it is to have a moment. And and she she said something to the effect of, "Don't look at me that way," <laughs> you know. And and uh, he just looked at her and he says, "Oh, I'm sorry, honey." I was born with my eyes set in my skull just like this. I can't change the way, <laughs> the way I look. And I, I talked to them in a calmer moment, and I said, what was that all about? And come to find out, uh, years earlier, they had had a very heated argument. And she judged the way he looks. His eyes were set too close together. And so don't look at me. Every time you look at me, I feel like you're giving me the old stink eye. And uh, stop it. Should have married someone else. You know, and his response right. at that point is, I'm sorry, honey. My eyes were planted in my head this way. I can't change that. But what do we do with those who who literally are are our enemies. Mm -hmm. The apostle teaches us that we love them. Jesus 
himself said that we are to love our enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, do good to them. Yeah. Uh, and we need to understand that our enemy is not our brother. It's not our neighbor. It's not those who have a different political, philosophical point of view. Our enemy, according to Scripture, is spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realm. Mm. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so we need to always keep in mind that our adversary is Satan. He is a destroyer. He's a liar. He's a thief. He, He preys on us. And when we give him opportunity, he wreaks havoc in our life. Jesus put it so simply in John 10, he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he does. So what do we do with those who align themselves against us? In a phrase, Jesus said, love them. The apostle Paul wrote the church at Rome and gave them these words of instruction. And and I'm closing with this today. It's taken from Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Uh, Again, the New American Standard. He says, never take your own revenge, beloved. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him to drink. For in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm. So simple. That is simple, but it's very, very uh, hard to do at times. And it's really pertinent in today's climate of where we're at in our uh, society right now. It is. I'm working on it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Pastor Dave, for that word to uh, remind us to love people. My pleasure. uh, And as we go out, it's, it's a good reminder as we interact with those around us. So. A lot to work on. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Enjoy the, the beautiful weather outside and come back next time. Thanks a lot.